Now, going straight to your question, for all people now, uh, it's got, again, about it's about the heart, not the body, um, and the mind. And so, does it force me to figure things out? Absolutely. Do I think a little faster and ahead than some other people on things when it comes to figuring it out and them coming up with option A, B, C, and then I throw in D, E, F, um, only because I've had to force myself to think through things and not look at things from a three-angle point of view, but six-angle point of view. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we inspire your true performance. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. Today, we bring you a truly amazing man. We all come into or end up in this world with some challenges. Just because someone else's challenges might seem bigger doesn't negate our own. We all want to know how to deal with them better, though, with more joy, peace, and success, of course, right? Well, we have a guy who is flat-out anointed in this area. Nick Vujicic was born with no arms and no legs. Stop and think about that for a minute. What could you do with no arms and no legs? What hope would you have for your life? Yet Nick is one of the most sought after speakers on the planet, often getting a hundred speaking requests per week. Literally, that's what he averages. Why? Well, because he's one of the most overcoming inspirational people you will have ever heard. More than 10 million people follow him on social media and his YouTube videos have over 600 million views. But it's real-world stuff he's talking about here, folks. I mean, he almost committed suicide at one point. This isn't some Pollyanna face on hardship. You know, I tell you more, but trust me, you won't want to miss this interview that Tom Ziegler and I had with Nick. Nick has a new online course called Rise Above where he goes into further depth about how people can turn obstacles into opportunities and gives guidance to overcoming fear and other impactful topics. You can find out about this. Go to zigshow.com slash rise. Before we start with Nick, I want to share some other great resources. All right, then, folks, here is Ziegler CEO Tom Ziegler, and I bring you Nick Vujicic. Well, Nick, to begin with, I am told that you get nearly 100 speaking and interview invitations per week. So we are incredibly honored that we made the cut. Thanks so much for giving us your time today. Hey, any association with the Ziegler family, uh, big fan, amazing legacy. God bless you all, and thanks, Kevin, for having me. Well, you know, I we do a lot of interviews here, and I don't know that I've ever had anyone testify to the extent that Tom Ziegler has of the impact that he has – you've had on his life and that he has seen you have uh, on others. And I know you guys have spent some time together, and that's been precious. It has been. Hey, Tom. <laughs> well, Nick, let me let me just say this. Uh, you know, everybody, Nick's he's come to our office. I think a couple of times now, and we've had. I I could just give a who's who has been to our office. When Nick rolls in, it's like the building fills up with love. I can't explain it, and uh, it's over. It's it's overwhelming in every way that's good. And so I follow you, you know, and I pray for you. And, but I just have to say that there is, it's the spirit is there when you're there. God's presence is there. Uh, And I think it's because you share one of the most outstanding qualities that my dad had, which is this, just that, that brokenness and that humility 
that keeps the barriers away. And so just love and appreciate you. And I'm so glad you're on. Tom, so kind of you. Thank you for the encouragement. Praise God for that. Uh, we'll never forget the meetings that we had with your dad and hugs and hugs with your mum there too. And just love you and your whole family. And it's a pleasure and privilege to try to bring value to what you're doing here to these listeners. Well, you know, I want to start off. There's a couple of recent events that are that are highly relevant right now. And when we talk about influence and we talk about love, I know, Nick, that he, a role model and mentor to you was the Reverend Billy Graham, who had just passed away two days ago. I'm sure that when that news came to you, there were some feelings that arose. I wanted to ask about that. In 2011, we had the uh, uh, privilege and honor of uh, being with Reverend Billy Graham face-to-face in his home. Um, he wasn't taking any visitors, but um, Anne Graham Lotz saw me speak as a spiritual leader at the World Economic Forum in Switzerland, Davos. And she said, would you come and, and uh, maybe, you know, encourage my daddy? And I'm like, what? Like, are you serious? I'm not going to encourage him. I was like, how? I was like, that's, that's, that's the man. He there's no one like him. And so uh, I said, if, if, if that door of opportunity was there just to fellowship in that time, if that's the something that you think would be great, then we, we would be most honored. And so um, me and my wife, we were engaged at the time. Uh, so we were both there. And, you know, I, I, I love how he finished strong. I love how he kept integrity. I love that he focused uh, not on the bright lights, but the light. Um, and he, he kept the gospel, the gospel. He didn't add to it. He never subtracted from it. Um, and I'll never forget the fact that, I mean, me as an evangelist also traveling the world um, and sometimes going into countries where there are no Christians or Christians are the minority of other, other religions. He said, Nick, don't ever preach against other religions, just preach the gospel. The gospel is powerful enough. And so how he lived his life, how God used him, uh, he is the number one and always will be the number one role model of a ministry that was um, an amazing steward uh, of what God called them to do by his grace. Yeah, yeah. thank you. Well, you know, no matter what you are dealing with, arms or no arms, you have had uh, two kids and you just had two more uh, same time for anybody. That is dramatic. I have had two at a time in diapers, but not twins. Uh, And so I'm imagining that even with the strength that you have, you've been stretched a little bit in the last couple months. Tell us about that. You know what? We've only been married six years. And in six years, if you go back even seven and a half years, seven and a half years to find uh, the confirmation that uh, you found your soulmate, get engaged, get married, buy a house, have four children all in in seven and a half years, plus a ministry that takes you to 18 presidents. I was just with Mr. Trump on the weekend, um, President Trump. And so when you are on the front line of God's army, taking over territory for his kingdom and trying to plant seeds of love, hope, and faith in the influences around you. You can't imagine how stretched we are, but I'm going to tell you on the context of what you were saying, nah, mate, I got the easy end of the deal. Uh, We got Kane all the help that she needs, but she's the one rocking the babies and taking care of all that. Uh, But I am enjoying 
mostly uh, my oldest son right now where we can have conversations. We can go on field trips. He can come with me on trips and um, and uh, just go see the world a little bit. And so uh, we are blessed. Uh, it's always been stretched but blessed. And there are different seasons ahead. And one of the things, though, that I know Tom was really concerned about when he saw me and his family was, Nick, you're running fast and you've got to find your, your pace of being healthy and putting family in priority. And so that was a, a big effort, Kevin, uh, as you can imagine, to try and find that balance of doing everything you feel like you need to do, yet making sure that the good and excellent things of this world and even the ministry won't ever distract you from the most important things. And so we got me down from, I used to be a bachelor, 320 days on the road, no joke. Uh, and now we got it down to 105 days last year, and this year is 84, and next year will be 70. Yet it's amazing that even though we're slowing down, we're doing things differently, innovatively, uh, reaching more people. So we're excited about that. But yes, my girls, Olivia and Ali, they're gorgeous, they're beautiful, they're eight weeks old, and we got Kyoshi and Dayan five and two and a half. Beautiful. <laughs> Oh, man, Nick, you know, we've had conversations through the years and I've heard you speak. And, and uh, of course, uh, I search YouTube for you on a regular basis, uh, just like dad says, even a Ziggler needs a checkup from the neck up. And <laughs> you just you just have a way of inspiring. Uh, but I know and we've had, you know, you've shared with me and others that and in your books that when you were when you were 10, you know, you had a crisis, you tried to commit suicide and you've, you've struggled on and on with those things. And then at 15, um, and my niece was this way, she didn't have the situation that you did, but she's like, God, where are you? You know, what's the deal here? And, but at 15, uh, you had a revelation you, you read in John and you realized God had a plan for you. He has a plan for a blind man. He has a plan for you. All of these low points and, uh, what was it? I mean, what what was it in your early life, do you think, allowed you at 15 to have that revelation? I mean, can you look back at anything and go, yeah, now I see it. I didn't see it when I was in it, but now when I look back, this is what allowed me to have that. Look, it's the journey. It's the journey of, of being brought up in a home of faith. Um, I definitely um, didn't. Uh, like God and the idea of God for, for several years because his love didn't make sense to me. And I would actually hate hearing my dad preach from the pulpit about the love of God when his own son was born this way and uh, who cried out to God for a miracle, who's the God of miracles and unconditional love. Where is the miracle? Um, but uh, affirmation, uh, persistent, resilient love in action from my parents helped me to be sustained in many, many ways. Uh, in fact, that was the only reason why I did not go through with the attempted suicide at age 10. I attempted, but I didn't go all the way, not because I couldn't do it, but because I did not want to do it uh, as I, in my mind, saw a visual of my parents crying at my grave, wishing they could have done something more. And because of their persistent, uh, relentless love for me in action, um, I decided to stay and by the grace of God, I had no idea that broken pieces can be put in the hands of, of God and, and that when you don't get a miracle, you can still be a miracle and beautiful things can come from broken pieces when you give your broken pieces a chance. 
Um, so age 10 was definitely a difficult uh, point in my life. And just because you become a Christian, it doesn't mean you don't have any other low points. Uh, at age 21, I share in my books about how I went through a big, big uh, low point in my life at that time. And then in 2011, I went through a personal financial crisis and just burnout um, as, a, as, as a single guy at the time, dating my wife uh, soon around that time, actually. Um, we were only dating for three months and I lost all my money and I was in panic attacks for 30 days straight. Um, you're not eating, not sleeping. It was, it was crazy. Um, yet through that all, when I told my wife that, Hey babe, I lost all my money. She said, don't worry, I'm not going anywhere. I'll get a nursing job and support the both of us. Mm. And, uh, so those difficult things. Now, when you look at the bullying aspect, now using that and what had happened, now I see how all things come together for the good, where now I'm speaking to governments, national governments, state governments here in America, um, where we are um, on the front line against bullying uh, and saving people's lives. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but 40% of attempted suicide in America in teenagers is because of bullying at school. That's on a stat of 290 schools anonymously surveyed by me personally. Um, and so when we see that, that that's amazing how one who nearly committed suicide because of bullying now is using the hands of God to save lives. And sometimes you get to save lives before you use by God to save souls. And so it's just been an incredible journey. And I'm so thankful that the revelation, Tom, to really answer your question and, and to close off what you want there. Um, the reason why I gave my life to Jesus wasn't because Jesus healed the blind man. What I realized was as a blind man, Jesus didn't sit him down uh, and say, hey, I'm going to put mud on your face and then you're going to see. That's the plan. Are you okay with this? Uh, you know, all that time up until then, I'm waiting for God to give me his plan to see if I'm okay with it and then trust him. Uh, but the blind man was still and by faith, he didn't back back away. He didn't question he let God do his miracle. And that's when I realized maybe I'm the only person standing in the way of what actually God wants to do in my life. And it's my lack of faith. So God, give me faith. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live forever. I know money, drug, sex, alcohol, pornography, fame, and fortune uh, will never satisfy my soul. You'll always want something different. You'll always want something more of something that this world can give. But when you taste and see that the Lord is good, you thirst no more. <laughs> too many quotes to keep track of there that are so worthy. That's why we're recording this. But that one of don't, if when you don't get a miracle, you can be a miracle is, uh, is pretty significant in looking at when you're at a low point. And I do want to come back to, uh, hit on the bullying that you just talked about, but still sticking, just kind of jumping from Tom's story that here you are at 15 and what, what gave you that fertile soil for that revelation and you citing your parents and their love, but to go forward from that, we still know that there's got to be. So you, you had ears to hear eyes to see as our Bible tells us, but there still has to be motive. And you know, at Ziegler, we talk so much about that as the root, that the goal is not going to matter if you don't have that motivation, that inspiration to go after it. What have you seen again with looking at so many people dealing with so many hardships that you have been able to harness or that you can look back again and say, gosh, yeah, there, there was the motive. Don't know why it was there, but that was the motive that kept me going. And, and even from that to extrapolate as you, as you work with so many people, 
where do you see that motive come from? Because we know some, some finally get it, some never do. And that's difficult. Number one, it's the grace of God that we could ever hear his voice and then respond and then live and then even think of trying to come for a look for a motive, uh, as you say. Mm-hmm. Um, the definition of a human being, you've got a soul, you've got a spirit, you've got a mind, and then you've got a body, body of which is most, uh, sorry, least important. Uh, a soul that gets saved, redeemed, restored, a spirit now that's filled with his spirit, and then to battle in daily renewing of the mind uh, is in the mind. And that then affects your emotions, your psychology, mentality, culture, traditions, and who you are and your personality. Um, and then God's calling upon you and how he breathes on you. Um, look, I think the the most thirsting item that a human being is looking for is purpose. I think purpose drives everything. Uh, I think purpose and actually seeing your purpose at hand, and, and I think one of the greatest way to do that is to help somebody in need that cannot thank you, instigates a level and undergirding foundation of purpose that then reiterates your value. I think the biggest need is to be loved and then to be able to express love is such a blessing when you've experienced it. And so I think it instigates back to the true north of our compass. Who am I and why am I here? The truth of your value, the truth of your purpose and the truth of your destiny, which I really believe out of sometimes a depletion of the human spirit, it, it's kind of feeling like we're in a routine, a merry-go-round, until you actually fix your eyes on heaven and realize that when God sees you, uh, he might look at you and say, well done, and my good and faithful servant. But what if he then looks over my shoulder and says, well, who else did you bring? Mm. And so that's the question. Who am I and why am I here? I think those are the two big main things that pull the human spirit forward that then you look for that source. Oh, and I love that. Focus um, Kevin, I'm going to jump in on a question. Dad's mentor was a gentleman named Fred Smith. And I've become friends with his son, Fred Smith Jr. And he wrote a blog post and, he, and he, he had these three points. And it was, how do you know if you're walking in your purpose? And I want to give you these three points and I'd love for you just, you know, to just expand on it, add to it, whatever, because it just kind of hit me. So the first point was, if you're walking in your purpose, you have a vibrant relationship with God and you acknowledge him as the source of your gifts and talents, right? And we're all created uniquely and differently. There's only one of us in the world and God's gifted us with things that only we have and that combination only we have. And so we got to have that relationship with God and then have a gratitude for what he's given us. Number two point was you work with grit on your gifts and talents. I mean, you t- you, 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 that's our responsibility, right? You, you, you say you acknowledge and you're grateful for it. And then you, you multiply it, right? And then the third one is you share your gifts and talents with humility and love. You give it away. And of course, I compared that to dad and that just those three points were like, boom, that was him. And so I'd love to just get your 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 feedback on that. You know, many people who believe in God have problems to to pray in the West. Um, 
you know, more than two minutes. I don't know about you guys, but I sit on the toilet 20 minutes a day and uh, you better believe that I spend uh, time with him. Uh, and, uh, you know, when, when, when anyone's struggling with actually uh, praying for, for, for more than a minimum amount of time, um, I always suggest to them, write out 10 blessings that God's given you and thank him for it. And you will pray more than three minutes. Uh, if you just did that, then get a verse a week and start building upon that and build up your discipline because that's your armor. So I couldn't agree more strongly that attitude, uh, an attitude of gratitude is the first and foremost thing where somebody of a life of, of success doesn't focus on what they don't have. They focus on what they do have. They're thankful for it. They don't become prideful in thinking that they've mustered it up um, because we know it's all thanks to him. The second thing that you said was to then build, and first of all, it's acknowledging it. I think some people even struggle with acknowledging the gifts that he's given you. Acknowledging that is the first point, because some people then flip it the other way and make a false humility. Well, if I actually acknowledge the gifts that he's given me, then I'm kind of being prideful. Are you kidding me? No, you're being rejoiceful, uh, rejoicing and joyful in uh, in what God has given you and how he's uniquely created you. And then what does that mean? Is it just to acknowledge it and then to be identified by it? It's kind of thing like church. Is that my identity, my tradition, my culture? Is that it? Or is there something more to actually gathering together? Um, is there something more to these gifts that God can use. He will never waste what he's given you. We are the ones who waste what he's given us. Uh, and when you acknowledge it, you thank him for it and say, God, use it. He will. Uh, not in always our time, not in always our way. And there are times uh, on the bottom line, just like you said in that part, um, it's, it's sometimes uh, getting out of that mindset of waiting for God to do something. Um, but God's waiting on you to do something. Polish it. Surround yourself with mentors, those who've gone ahead of you. Uh, learn from them. Learn from their success. Learn from their mistakes. And make sure that you do everything you can to mitigate the risk of failure as best as you can. And some of these things are grit. Some of these things are just grinding. Um, so some of it's coaching, some of it's mentoring, some of it's accountability. But man, it's, it's really, hey, what are you doing today for God? And how are you moving forward in your relationship and then helping uh, opportunities present itself uh, to be ready for such application. Uh, the last thing to give it away, look, um, no one's ever going to replace your dad. Um, no one's ever going to replace my dad. Um, but we got to understand that what we learned from them will remain in our hearts and the way that they were always giving back um, to people, counseling people, mentoring people, spurring people on um, it is so cool. And being able to share that knowledge, you know, it, it's one of the most empowering things for human society to, to be able to say, hey, you're here for a reason. You have blessings. You have gifts. Acknowledge it. Use it. Find your purpose. And in your destiny, never forget to give back because that's actually the most rewarding part of all. And thanks to these sponsors for bringing us today's show. Well, so when you look at purpose, that aspect of purpose, and again, looking at your own story and, you know, what gave you motivation, is there a point 
of looking at your, what you had to overcome, a physical handicap, as that being, did it help? I mean, when you look at this, we have so many people. We recently interviewed Mandy Harvey, the, the incredible singer who's deaf, and uh, Eric Weinmayer, who went to Mount Everest, and, he, and he's blind. And to some degree, it feels like those who don't have an acute handicap, are they handicapped more? Because it doesn't give them that reliance, that drive towards the Lord. Did, did the handicap help clarify your purpose? You know, I'm going to, I'm going to change the perspective okay. and, and, and put it inside out. So you see the tapestry that I see. First of all, um, I tell teenagers all the time, I believe it's worse being in a broken home than having no arms mm-hmm. and legs. Now, the only conscious, logical thing that could be good, that could come out of such a tragedy that is first in our minds, subconsciously and consciously, is that it, um, I hope that then I don't make the same mistake. I hope then that I am not like that person. Mm. And I hope then I'm going to learn from those mistakes. That's, that's as good as it gets in the minds of the human spirit um, when it comes to good out of that brokenness. Now, when you look at somebody who has a physical handicap, who's now skydiving, golfing, fishing, swimming, 18 presidents, 10 governments, changing laws, some of them, to actually integrate special needs children into society for the first time, now we say, well, wow, look at that person that can do something that I can't do with actually less than what I have. What I'm trying to say, it's got nothing to do with physical disabilities. It's about the brokenness of the spirit and the, um, the tragedies of our life and brokenness of our lives and hearts um, with, with different perspectives and trajectories of what could ever happen from it. Now, going straight to your question for all people now, uh, it's got, again, about, it's about the heart, not the body um, and the mind. And so... Does it force me to figure things out? Absolutely. Do I think a little faster and ahead than some other people on things when it comes to figuring it out and then coming up with option A, B, C, and then I throw in D, E, F um, only because I've had to force myself to think through things and not look at things from a three-angle point of view, but six-angle point of view. Because when I was trying to reach something from my bookshelf and uh, I couldn't reach it and I asked mom for, for help, she said, no, figure it out. I'm like, man, you're a mean mom. And so I'm looking and I'm looking, I'm crying, please, mom. No, figure it out. And so I grabbed the ottoman with my teeth, push it with my shoulders, put it right up to the bookshelf where you normally have your footrest. I jump on the footrest, use my shoulder and my head to get upright on the ottoman. And then I grab the object with my teeth. At that moment, I realized, yeah, I shouldn't expect everything given to me. I'm going to have to figure out what is impossible and what is possible with only trying to try. And so that's the bottom line. The, the values, Kevin, that my parents mm-hmm. gave me was figure it out, do something, learn. Don't expect things just to be given to you. 
Um, and that's why they never gave me the toys I wanted. I actually ended up vacuuming the floor of our home twice a week for $2 a week to actually save up money to buy the cars that I wanted to buy from the toy store. That taught me values. That taught me saving. That taught me hard work. It gave me dignity. It taught me on decision making. It taught me on patience. It taught me six or seven different lessons just because my parents didn't give me everything I wanted. And they said, figure it out. That's a hard lesson. So you're there right now as a parent. And we all have that propensity to want to help our kids to save them from whatever we feel like was a lack or a hardship in our lives. And I'm there, I've got a lot of kids and it's a, it's a struggle. They're each different. They deal with different things. And that's hard. Uh, John O'Leary, uh, who was burned, you know, over the majority of his body has a very similar story coming home from the hospital uh, where he should have died. And his, uh, he was going to get help to eat. And his mother said, no. And it was devastating to him at the time. And honestly, when I heard him, just like I hear you, and that is hard as a parent, that reality right there to say, no, figure it out does not does not feel good, but then you're testifying. So obviously you've got your older son is what now? Five, six. He's okay. five. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's coming of age in, in a maturity level. Um, but we, we're a little different here. Um, the, the parenting style that, that is much different compared to the parenting style from my parents was the fact that we, we give him what he wants. Uh, he understands though, when he wants a big goal, uh, you know, he wants to buy something of, of substance, he's going to have to do jobs around the house to do it. So he implemented that and he understands that. The coolest thing though, Kevin, that I don't share and I haven't heard from many people is um, I asked a guy, not a guy, a dear friend and brother, David Price, who first sponsored Life Without Limbs here in America. Um, I asked him for some parental advice when Kyoshi was born. And you know what he said? Spoil them. And I'm like, that doesn't make sense. No one's ever told me that. And I was processing and I, and I let it go. You know, like, who, how, how, how does that help anybody? Now at age five, when Kiyoshi sees something that he wants and I say, you don't understand where you want to go is a 14-hour flight from here called the United Kingdom. He's like, well, why not? What, well, when can I go? And he calls out an age that he wants to go. I'm going to go there at 17 years old. I'm going to come to China with you at 11 years old. Like he's, it's impossible. The word impossible absolutely doesn't register in his mind. It doesn't. And the cool thing to how to balance all of that is doing something then on the back end on the other extreme. And you betcha, when he's 13 years old, I will take him to the Tijuana HIV orphanage and single mothers and children who are not being given medicine to live for HIV because the Catholic and Protestant churches don't have enough money. And even if they do have the money, they're telling them, you're being punished by God, so we're not going to give you the medicine. I'm going to show them sex slaves. I'm going to show him orphanages. I'm going to show him death. I'm going to show him cancer. At age 13, he'll be ready. And so we are hybriding a homeschool charter where we can show him one extreme. We'll get you everything you can. We'll help you do whatever you want and you feel God wants you to do the way he's wired you. And you acknowledge him and glorify him through that. 
But just remember, don't forget to give back. Well, that's powerful. It gives food for thought. Yeah, I've not heard spoil the kid. I'm usually struggling with uh, that I'm doing too much of that. It really is. It puts a different twist on this. Well, you know, speaking of the kids, I, I want to come back. You talked about brokenness of spirit and, you know, it's not the body, it's the mind. When you look at bullying, so I do a lot of work, as Tom knows, in the health and wellness industry, and we've got chronic illness and disease here in America going through the roof, and we really get down uh, to what's the cause. It's, it's our lifestyle. We're growing, you know, this stuff, but we look to the root. So if bullying to the degree that you're talking about teen suicide attempts being, well, I think you said 40%, uh, is from is from bullying that's increasing what's at the root of it what's happened culturally talk about our spirits that is causing this that's that's a symptom as we all know the bullying is a symptom of what well it, it it's always been there from Cain and Abel True. has it not been uh, when someone thinks that they're, they're better than somebody else um, that's when they do human fleshly things and it starts from pride, greed, and lust from a man's point of view. Those are the big three hurdles of sin, uh, the biggest ones of all, uh, most common uh, failures. And um, so it's not just, it's, it's a symptom from the fall of man. It's always been there. Has there been more bullies since social media? That's what everyone asks me as internet explodes, social media. Well, it is more accessible now, and if there is a disease that has more doors to get in, then you can fit more of that disease in. It doesn't mean, though, that more of that has begun. I think what's happening is there are more ways to do it. Just like, uh, this is the extreme level of the way that we're going, but sex robots that's going to be the biggest topic on everyone's mind in five years from now. People are arguing that having sex robots are going to save more rapes on the kids. Or is it going to actually influence more people to become pedophiles? That's the discussion that's going to happen in five years. In 10 years from now, a third of American jobs are not going to exist because of robots. 50 million jobs will not exist in 10 years. In 3,650 days counting down now when you look at the world and where we're going we are selfish we are self-preservating we will do whatever we can to survive in many ways um, and unfortunately the human spirit is selfish but coming back to exactly the human nature on what we kind of secure ourselves on whether it's addictions that we can't get out of whether it's a secure future that we can provide for um, or whether it's actually just doing things because we're doing it. I think actually the biggest influence that brought bullying to the level that we're at is the media. Bottom line, it has been culturally acceptable. It has never been challenged because even when it is challenged, it's a cute campaign. And no one really believes that bullying can actually stop. Because when you psychologically, as a speaker, want to actually do a persuasive speech, you got to mm -hmm. persuade me. 
and no students in a school are going to be persuaded to stop bullying until someone tells them the truth. And you know what、mm. the truth is? The truth comes out when you do an anonymous survey in the school to figure out out of a thousand students of that school how many have thought of suicide, attempted suicide, attempted suicide because of a broken home, and attempted suicide because of bullying at school. It takes a speaker to go to the school to tell them that there are twenty students in your school who have actually just told me that they hate their life so much. Because of the bullying in this school, to the point that they actually already tried to end their life. Now you don't know who told me that. I don't know who told me that. But they were here, and I have no reason to lie about that. And they have no reason to lie about that either. Who do we know in our school are being sexually abused at home, verbally abused at home? You don't know who they are, and we carelessly let words come out of our mouth, and we go with the flow without actually understanding the actual power of our words and our influence as leaders, whether we have a title or not. Either you can kill someone with your words, or you can save people with your words. And I always ask at every school who wants to change the world, and I tell them. I don't believe you till you're ready to change this school. That's persuasive. That's when schools change, and no one has the balls to actually say it the way scientifically, psychologically. People, especially Christians, they say, "Well, if you get so much into psychology, then where's the room for the Holy Spirit?" Are you serious? There's logical things and and scientific things behind everything God does. If I have a root canal, God uses dentists. Uh, if we have someone who needs counseling, God uses、mm-hmm. psychologists. We need persuasive speeches given by effective communicators who know how to effectively grab the hearts, get the minds, and help them make the decision themselves. Instead of just telling them what to do, tell them what's going on, where we're at, and where we really could go. But if you keep on going down that track, don't just not do drugs. Don't just not have sex. It's not about that. Tell them what the truth is, and no one sits down and actually is able to, to, to. And even in a Christian realm, if I can、mm-hmm. just go for two more minutes, everyone's praying for revival. I'm ready for you know, ready for anybody to pray for revival. It's a ministry that that's trying to call a million people to Washington D.C. to pray for revival. But actually, have we sat down to really define what revival is? What if those million people were actually taught and trained how to preach the gospel in three minutes to twenty people in a day? Twenty million people hear the gospel. Ten percent give their life to Jesus. Two million people start a walk with Jesus. Yet we're hearing the word revival, revival, revival. Where are the hundred thousand churches to get the three hundred thousand foster kids into a home? There are right now a hundred thousand children in America. I'm all for international missions, but what about our own orphans? Why haven't we started a foster care sponsorship program? Why haven't we got a hundred thousand churches taking three kids each? There are seven point eight year old average age children. A hundred thousand. Waiting to be adopted. If we are Christian, if we say we we care about what Jesus cared about, then we got to show it. It's not about just praying and waiting for God to do something. It's acknowledging 
get in the grit, let's get together, and let's do something, let's become one, and let's let's show, let the Christian schools show what the love of God is, and be the first schools in this country to stop bullying. I mean, seriously, it, it's time that we really have a good look at ourselves, and stop complaining about politics and media, and the world, and 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 and, and you know, war propositions. Who are we? Where are we? It's time that we actually buckle up our belt, put on our shoes, and let's go somewhere and do something for the King of Kings and show the love of God in action and not just talk. Tom, I'm inspired. We just need to stop and go now. I'm I'm, I'm enamored by your – within throughout that whole thing where you started (laughs) by saying, hey, if you've got a tooth problem – uh, where's the Holy Spirit? You, you probably need to let it, let the Holy Spirit work through a dentist. Where do you, so, so here you are, Nick, you are, where do you see your primary dentistry happening? Because I, I see you, I know the new effort that you have with attitude is altitude and you're not just in a pulpit, just speaking about Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ over and over and over with what we would say is a hundred percent evangelism. You're doing it through, I'm going to use your term dentistry methods, um, talk to us a little bit about that, because you know that we in the church, especially, we got a lot of breakdown between those two efforts of you know waiting on Christ, praying for that, and you're saying go do something. Help us in the dentistry model here. It's am- it's amazing, bro. Look, um, I don't know what to say because there's so much to say, but it's I'll, your I'll show. try to be succinct to you. Ah, um, look, I'm excited. To be alive for such a time as this. I'll give you an example. We go in on a... So the faith evangelical ministry of Nick Vujicic is Life Without Limbs, where I get to go preach the gospel, and we preach the gospel to 670 million. Actually, the new numbers are 730 million people have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ um, in the last 12 years on national TV, actual numbers with the last 52 million just being on September, 2017 in Ukraine, 26 countries watching 20 languages, um, by the grace of God. Um, three years ago, I went to Ukraine on attitudes, altitude vehicle, which is a motivational vehicle in which I'm able to talk about values and attitudes and principles of life, which are Judeo Christian based, but not preaching, not scriptural references, nor talking about Jesus, except for two or three sentences in how my personal story would not be complete without him. Um, With that, then it opened up really the fact of um, the, the awareness in the Balkans more and more of the value of special needs children. Uh, which is going to be the next shakeup in India seven years from now, mark my words. There is going to be a social revolution in uh, India in seven years from now based on that, um, on their hierarchy and outcast system. Outcast system. Um, the bottom line in, in, in Ukraine, for an example, is uh, it was very difficult to ever believe uh, to have a thousand special needs children gathered in a stadium to hear a motivational speaker. So we broke the Guinness Book of World Records for that, went on press conference for that. Uh, then I came back and uh, had the blessing of the government to preach the gospel in a stadium of 5,000 people with 20 million Ukrainians watching on TV. 
then the government asks, can you come and speak to us? And in the context of the 500-year reformation that just happened, where each citizen was allowed 500 years ago to finally have the copy of their own Bible, I was able to speak to the government after that. At that one-and-a-half-hour meeting, after we left, uh, they changed law to let special needs children to go into school for the very first time. Then the government comes back and says, well, now we need help. Can you help us now with a series of videos to prepare our teachers, our parents, our society, kids with special needs, kids without special needs to actually be ready for such a revolution? So when you're the counsel to a government on that kind of level, uh, it's, it's only a miracle. Um, and, and the, the vehicle of attitudes altitude is getting into marketplaces. I'm going to Iran this August, top 700 CEOs. It's probably the last Middle Eastern country that I go to until I go to Israel now for the first time. Um, so there's strategy in how to reach people where they're at. Don't just tell them what you believe, tell them that you love them and fulfill their need. I think that is how the church flourishes and that's how God's love is most shown and the gospel is preached without words. So fulfilling that need, looking at a vehicle, and I love you talking about that, that you're, that effort, that dentistry of attitude to altitude is a motivational vehicle. I know you've got another initiative right now, uh, the Rise Above Course. So tell us about that as a vehicle for what? Thanks for letting me share that. Um, so in the hundreds of speaking engagements, many people say, Nick, we, that's wonderful in an hour, two hour speech, but we want, we want many hours with you and we want to know this, 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 and more about this, 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 this. So, um, we came up with a three uh, hour course, six modules. Um, it's called rise above to help anyone rise above their circumstances, to overcome adversity, to overcome, uh, fear, that they have that's really holding them back um, from from fulfilling their dreams. And many people think, well, Nick, you're special and and you're you're different than everyone else. But I'm not. We all have the same ups and downs. We all have the same uh, fears. Um, And for me, uh, I, I just wanted to give a resource in the homes of all of those who are interested to Learn how to change your mindset and overcome fear, um, h- how to reach your goals, how to, to change the, the mindset um, of, of who you are, attitude of gratitude, and just the basic steps, the fundamentals that are applicable to everyone of all ages, whether you're a CEO, a single mom at home, um, uh, you're still at school, um, and you got fear, really affirming your value and purpose and your destiny, but really putting that like a dentistry in a a module, uh, uh, a very well thought process that you can go with me 25 minutes at a time uh, with worksheets, um, resources there that you can actually reflect, make it personalized for you, set goals, reflect, review, uh, and really learn and put it into practice. Wow, I love that. Kevin, let's make sure we give everybody links to that. Uh, yes, we will. As a, when this when this airs, they're going to give us some custom links, so we'll be awesome. all right. Nice. So you know, I have a saying, uh, Nick, and that is, we're all going to leave a legacy. It's either going to be by chance or by design, right? I mean, 
what we do here with the time that we're given, that's our legacy. And I see such intentionality in everything that you do. I mean, that was one of the things that I wake up in the morning, you know, what can I be intentional today? What choices can I make? And I, and I think uh, for me and probably for a majority of the people listening, it's, it's, it's like you think at this 10,000 foot level where you, you, you top, you know, the snowball goes off the top and thousands and oh, thousands of people are impacted. And, and I just, I love it because it, it, it's like we limit ourselves before we even start the journey. <laughs> and God's the one who provides us as we go. And so I'm just curious when you look right now, and I know God can change our direction or our path and give us new visions and dreams along the way. But what are the, what are the things that you have in front of you right now that you know that if you can accomplish or if you can go as far as God will take you on it are going to take that legacy out? So what are the, what are the two or three things that are just burning on your heart? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I have to I have to mention that um, the other three topics on the rise above course uh, really is um, creating a balanced life, how to turn obstacles into opportunities, and then redefining impossible. It, it's not that we're trying to tell someone to do something. There's actually many listeners who are successful at what they do. However, redefining impossible could take you to a new level, and that's kind of what's happened in my life. Uh, in the last kind of four years, where I'm like, how do you reach 8 billion people? I bought those domains, 8billionsouls.com.org, because Google says by 2026, we'll have 8 billion. And so we're going to reach the world. So how do you do that? And so um, for me, what's in front of me to leave a legacy is I can just go speak, 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 speak. But what we're doing in the next three years is 700 videos. Uh, 300 videos that are motivational, that are three minutes for free, title sponsorship actually, a lifetime sponsorship, uh, someone who wants to put their company, their foundation on a on on a, an attachment brand with each video, uh, 50 videos for children, 50 videos for teenagers, 50 videos for uh, a general audience, um, some other series about disabilities, entrepreneurship, financial literacy, the basics of things that are not taught to anybody um, and, and the values of, of really everything I would ever want to tell my children, I want to tell every child they should be benefiting of the truth. And so 300 videos, that's motivational. 300 videos, that's all scriptural based. Same kind of layout. Uh, and then 100 videos on how to talk about the love of God based on the 100 different walks of life. I've been able to reverse engineer about 103 different ways that the human being can suffer. So my legacy will be basically, hopefully, by the grace of God, four years from now, uh, being able to reach the world in 30 different languages through subtitles with 300 videos that cover age demographics and motivational and then if they want to know more about faith then they come that way and so that's the only way to to do it differently and that also accomplishes my goal which is to slow down <laughs> and so how do you slow down while you're trying to reach a billion that's the trick well i uh i hear you on that you have not 
caused me to think about slowing down right now, but of speeding up and expanding my horizons, which is your goal. So you have accomplished your goal on the Ziggler show. Again, it just, it's, it's tremendous. Um, a lot of people out there dealing with a lot of stuff that the way you bring it in, yeah, Tom's a description of you that, uh, it just feels so covered in love, which, uh, Zig is smiling from heaven on that as well as, uh, our Reverend Billy Graham and all those guys. Thank you for carrying their torch. Thank you for shining it brightly and increasing the brightness of my own today here on this show. Thank you so much, Nick. Kevin, thank you for being an example with 20 children. God bless you and your family. Love you so much. Tom, always an honor and a privilege. And thank you so much for allowing me to share about this course that I really believe is going to bring a lot of value and application uh, and revolution in many people's lives. Amen, brother. We love you, man. Love you. Well, there you go, friends. You may have arms and legs, but you most assuredly have some struggles that are keeping you from being at your top performance. This show should have inspired you. Again, sign up for Nick's Rise Above course at zigshow.com slash rise. Hey, if you got value from the show here with Nick, please let us know and him know by leaving a review in iTunes. And let us thank you by sending you Zig Ziglar and Tom Ziglar's book, Born to Win, an actual hard copy. Just email us at thanks at zigglershow.com and tell us the username that you used in iTunes. Well, coming up next in show 562, we of course go behind the scenes with Nick and go through the seven spokes of the Ziggler Wheel of Life and find out his challenges and healthy habits in each area. Some highlights, well physically he's thankful for the Holy Spirit and caffeine. He only eats two meals per day, more veggies, but he's an admitted carnivore, no sweet breads or uh, dairy. He and his family grow much of their food and live off their land. Uh, financially, he had a pretty deep financial crisis and learned that just because you have a vision and resources from God, it doesn't always mean you have to move forward right now. He has a 10-year plan that took him three hours to create with some help. 3% of his life has to be a gamble. Uh, and he says he doesn't invent, he innovates. It was a rich discussion, as you can tell. Well, so till then, folks, thank you, as always, for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.